I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. From Decrypt Media, this is the Decrypt Daily, and my name is Matthew Deemer. I'm going to change that for you guys. My name is Matthew Deemer. Aaron's my middle name, by the way. Matthew Deemer. Today on the show, we talk the Dow. I answer listener questions, and we get into headlines. That's coming up today on the Decrypt Daily. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. Today is Friday, March 26, 2021. I'm going to start the show today with listener questions as I do every Friday, well, at least for the past month. And I want to say thank you to everyone for sending questions in. If you want to send questions in for Friday's listener questions answered episode, send me an email, Aaron at decrypt.co. Oh, and by the way, you heard in the intro, my name is Matthew Deemer. And I'm going to be going by that from now on. Why? Because I have an announcement coming up in a couple of weeks, and I'll let you know about that. Let's get into those listener questions. And the first question comes from Steven. And Steven says, mining. Tell me about mining. I can't wrap my brain around it. And to be perfectly honest, Steven, it's hard to wrap your brain around it. Full stop. Even after you read about it, and you read about it, and you read about it, you still have questions. It's, it's, it is hard. Let me direct you to Andreas Antonopoulos' book, Mastering Bitcoin. Link is in the description. It is definitely worth the read. It's dry. It's a super dry book, but the part on mining is super interesting in my opinion. I read it over and over. I wrote a paper on it when I was doing my master's, and it is a very interesting topic. But I'm going to tell you about this in a very general sense. And it's going to be really general, overgeneralized. So if any Bitcoin maxi is listening right now and wants to start schooling me on the in-depth nuts and bolts of Bitcoin mining, this is not the purpose. It's just very general. So Stephen, first, let's talk about nodes. There's two kinds of nodes. One is just running a Bitcoin node, and that's downloading the Bitcoin blockchain onto your computer and running a node. That means you have a copy of the Bitcoin ledger, and it keeps everything decentralized. If we all have copies, there's no one point of attack so people can take over the Bitcoin blockchain. And that's why you see big hacks happen. Yahoo or and even national databases get hacked because there's one point of attack. They have the only copy. <laughs> but if it was decentralized, it would be a different story. And that's what Bitcoin is. It's decentralized. But there's also a mining node. The mining node has, of course, a copy of the ledger, but it also is responsible for putting those new blocks into the ledger. And what does that mean? Let's take an example. I send you a Bitcoin, which is a shit ton of money. <laughs> so if I'm sending you a Bitcoin, you're a lucky dude. I don't have that kind of money. But anyway, I send you a Bitcoin. The thing is, you don't get that Bitcoin immediately. It goes into a block, and that block starts filling up with other transactions. And it waits there. You get a transaction ID. You know that I sent you the Bitcoin, but you don't get it immediately. Why? Because one, the block has to fill up. And two, after that block fills up, it has to go to a miner. And the miner confirms that that transaction is true. This is how you don't get double spends. And double spends are just like cut and copying digital things and giving it to lots of people. It's kind of like taking a screenshot on your phone and sending it out into the Twitterverse and everybody has that screenshot now. You can't do that with Bitcoin. But the miners make sure that that transaction is true. So I send you the Bitcoin. You get a transaction ID. The miners then start processing that transaction and they go, yes, it's true. And that's called a confirmation. 
If you notice that some exchanges, they have a confirmation requirement. If you send a Bitcoin to say, I don't know, Coinbase or Bittrex or whatever, they only give you that Bitcoin. It only shows up that you can access it after a certain amount of confirmations. And that's the miners doing their jobs. They're saying, hey, let me get not one confirmation. That means, okay, I said saw that this is a transaction. But the more times that you confirm this, the more consensus that you have that this is true, that that transaction went through and everything is proper. So lots of exchanges might have three confirmations or five confirmations or seven confirmations for your Bitcoin to be deposited into your exchange because they want to make sure that the miners verify that transaction is true before they give you that Bitcoin. I personally sent a Bitcoin transaction back in June of 2018, and I just looked it up on the blockchain. It has 150,000 plus confirmations right now. That transaction is so true, it's truer than true. And so in very, very, very general terms, Bitcoin miners confirm the transactions, and that's what they're doing. They're running these computers to confirm the transactions to make sure everything is true, and all the miners around the world are confirming these transactions are taking place, and you're not getting double spends, and everybody has the money in their wallets, and everything works properly. Now, when you talk about the incentives, I know you're going to ask about block rewards. Well, that's the incentive for miners to do this. Not only is there transaction fees, but also block rewards. Satoshi wanted to make sure that people wanted to do this work, wanted to mine. So he said, hey, if there's a Bitcoin transaction, we're going to take a little cut for, for the miners to incentivize them, to give them a little payout. And also, if you find this block, unlock this block, we're going to give you a little Bitcoin too as a reward. We want to incentivize people to run this network, set up mining nodes, and participate in the system. So in summary, I send you a Bitcoin. It gets put into a block. It's not into your wallet until there's a confirmation. The miners check to make sure everything is proper by running computer algorithms and doing a lot of math to make sure that you get the Bitcoin. I had the Bitcoin and that transaction is legitimate. And they do that over and over and over again. And they get incentivized by transaction fees and block rewards. Steven, I hope that answers your question. And I hope you deep dive with this. And once you deep dive, I think you're going to understand the power of blockchain, of Bitcoin. And you can only do that by reading Andreas Antonopoulos' book. Link is in the description. And also, I think you should read The Bitcoin Standard by Safadin Amus. I think that's how you pronounce his name. Safadin Amus? 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 Ah, whatever. Anyway, that's also an amazing book to understand the importance of Bitcoin. It doesn't go into Bitcoin as much as it goes into the history of money. Also, very interesting. Enjoy the deep dive. This next question is the question. I think we all have asked this question to ourselves. Mike asks, I'm new to crypto and I'm looking for some advice of what to do when this bull market is over. Should I continue to hodl or should I sell it up? <laughs> this is not trading advice, legal advice, financial advice, Mike. I cannot tell you what to do. But what I can do is I can say, zoom out. Look at the whole Bitcoin cryptocurrency market over the past decade and then ask yourself, should I hodl or should I sell? Now, I don't know what kind of conclusion you're going to come up with. That's not my business. This is not financial advice, trading advice, or legal advice. But if you zoom out and you look at the trends, even in the stock market, then I would say that you could make a pretty rational decision for yourself. But make sure you're zooming out far enough. If you zoom out three months, that's not far enough. If you zoom out a year, maybe not far enough. But if you go four years to eight years or 10 years, then I think you probably can make an answer for yourself. And if you want to do it for specific coins or currencies or gold or silver or commodities, do it too. Look at oil over the past decade. Gold, Apple stock, Amazon stock, Bitcoin, Litecoin, Ethereum, 
whatever it is. Zoom out and then make a decision. I love this next question because I don't have an answer for it, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Andy from the UK asks, why on earth is the decrypt wallet available in every country in the world except for the UK? Well, I put that question in a chat in our decrypt Slack, and here's what I got. For legal reasons, but I don't know the details. Another person says, because the CEO wants to punish me. And another person says, I'm not sure either, but we don't. Maybe we should write an article about this. <laughs> I don't know. Apparently nobody knows, but it seems like a legal issue. I don't know if it's internal with the company. I don't know if it's something with the regulations of the UK. I have no clue. And I'm really sorry that you can't access the wallet. Did you try using a VPN though? Putting yourself somewhere else and downloading the wallet again? Or did you try downloading from another Apple store? Maybe using the VPN and downloading from another Apple store to get the wallet app. Just some suggestions. And now, those crypto prices. Here comes the money. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talk. And I'm recording this at 11 o'clock and Bitcoin's at $53,432, up 2.8% in 24. Ethereum, $1,646, up 2.6% in 24. Tether's at number three and Cardano's at number four, moving Binance all the way down to number five. Cardano, by the way, is $1.21, up 8.8%. Binance is at $248.69, up 5.6%. And Polkadot at number 6 at 3182, up 6%. Total market cap were at 1.68 trillion and a BTC dominance of 59.2%. Getting into our conversation today, we're talking the DAO, a decentralized autonomous organization. And we're going to learn about a decentralized form of governance. Enjoy. Oren and Red, welcome to the show. Thank you. Having us. Today, we're talking about SafeSnap and the SafeSnap launch of Genesis and Harvest Finance. Guys, I don't know anything about this. I'm coming in here blind. I want you guys to enlighten me so I can enlighten my audience. Oren, what are we talking about today? Yeah, so for Gnosis, we just recently released uh, this DAO module and then uh, a SafeSnap uh, plugin for Snapshot. Essentially, what it does is uh, allows you to take your off-chain off votes on Snapshot and have them trigger execution of transactions on chain via a Gnosis safe. Excellent, Red, we have to go back to the 101s. You know, take it to school. What is a DAO? Um, well, DAO is Decentralized Autonomous Organization. So you think like very simplistic forms. Somebody wrote a computer code, um, self-sufficient, they let it go on the internet, and now it can run by itself without any like owner controlling party. Um, and so if you need to make any updates or changes to that coding or evolve that coding, um, the DAO concept allows people who hold maybe a token that represents the project ownership to vote. And then if there is a majority vote in agreeance, you can make updates to the protocols needed. Okay, so if I can uh, just summarize this between what you guys both said, safe snap is a DAO. Is that correct? Yes, I mean, a safe snap essentially uh, tries to I guess enable this progressive decentralization for uh, projects that are currently using Snapshot. Uh, you know, as of right now, most projects using Snapshots uh, uh, have this kind of off-chain voting and then a, a group of uh, proxy kind of multi-sig holders uh, that they're supposed to kind of execute transactions on behalf of the community. And essentially what this does is just bridge that gap to, to allow for less trustful execution of the community's will. Excellent. So what can you do with this? What is like the major goals or what are you voting on? What can be voted on and who can be voting? You said people with one token. Is there is it weighted the same? 
I mean, that's that's a, a wide open question. It really depends on on the community that's implementing it. Uh, so Snapshot's a really flexible system where you can kind of create uh, voting strategies to to fit kind of whatever need you have. Uh, a pretty common one is just ERC20 balance of where you're taking uh, an ERC20 token balance and, and that becomes your voting weight. But you could you could rig up a, a snapshot shot strategy to uh, essentially do any kind of voting or any kind of decision-making uh, method you want. Red, what kind of uh, decision-making methods or vote different votes have you seen in the past on different DAOs or this DAO um, that you can give us like an idea of what could happen with a DAO? Um, a great example is what Harvest Finance does. We have Council of 69, which invites um, projects that are just launching in the DeFi space. Uh, maybe they're just some tiny project, don't have a lot of funding, um, or maybe they're just trying to get their name out or just some kind of collaboration. So through that Council of Harvest Finance, a project can come forward and say, hey, we're doing a pre-seed round. We'd like to contribute. Here's XYZ of the details. We present that to the community um, within a snapshot vote saying Harvest Finance is going to contribute $50,000. We may get some tokens, but really the bigger part of that is how can we collaborate and create a synergy between these two platforms? And that's generally what really um, excites the, the voter base is just seeing when two projects can come together and make something greater than what they individually would be. Awesome. I just got a question for you. Now, this is more philosophical. Um, thank you for explaining um, safe snap and DAOs and voting and all that stuff. More philosophical. I'm that kind of guy. I apologize about that. Uh, when we were talking about weighted, when we we're talking about people with more coins have more of a weighted vote. Is that a very democratic process? Is that something that we really like to see in the space? I, I'll shoot that to both of you guys. It's, it's not at all democratic. Uh, you know, like uh, <laughs> it's plutocratic. Uh, so if you're doing uh, vote weight by balance of, then yeah, you're creating a plutocracy. That's not necessarily wrong. There are some uh, organization types where uh, token weighted voting is is a, a reasonably optimal decision making tool. Uh, it's obviously aligning incentives well for the people who have uh, the, the most to lose to uh, to essentially make the, the right decisions for for the organization. Uh, that said. Yeah, you can you can make much more democratic systems. Uh, you could do that with Snapshot, or you could do that with a, with a variety of other tools. Uh, you could uh, obviously have traditional kind of democratic systems, where it's one person, one vote. You could also rig up systems like uh, quadratic voting, where your vote weight is the the square root of the the tokens that you hold or the tokens that you contribute to a particular vote. Um, uh, quadratic funding is a great example of that, where your your kind of vote weight towards a, uh, a project is the square root of how much you contribute to that project. Um, yeah, specifically for me, uh, I, I agree. I think um, like DAOs, they're still kind of there in their infancy because they do very much require on balance of, right? So those votes can be very much manipulated by one guy holding a bunch of tokens or does the, the DAO itself hold so many tokens um, that it could cause an override of a vote. So um, there are definitely things and challenges that need to be overcome. And like Harvest specifically tries to use a, a sentiment vote within our like chat community in addition to a snap um, shot vote to make sure that no one or two votes is kind of overwhelming um, what the community is truly showing that they want. I love it. I love it. You know, that's just such an interesting conversation that we could probably have for, you know, uh, an hour or two or three. But I just wanted people to understand that there are, you know, ways to different ways to vote. Um, it's not different. Uh, 
by definition, just because we say voting, it isn't a democracy, one person, one vote. It could be a plutocracy. There could be different ways we can weight it. The square root way, uh, way is, this is the first time I've actually heard that way. So thank you for bringing that up. Let me pose this question to both of you, Aaron and Red. Uh, what do you see that the future of Gnosis and Harvest Finance is with this integration and this partnership? Yeah, so, uh, I mean, I guess for uh, Snapshot and, and, and then the SafeSnap uh, plugin that we have, what we're hoping to do is, is enable projects like Harvest uh, to uh, travel on that kind of progressive decentralization path. You know, right now, Harvest operates in this kind of proxy fashion where you've got uh, a, a, a snapshot uh, and a Discord server and the kind of community expresses their will there and then a, uh, a group of multi-sig holders uh, kind of promise to do what the community says uh, to a certain extent. And what we want to do is, is uh, bridge that gap a little bit more and uh, enable some kind of more meaningful progressive decentralization where the community can, can uh, meaningfully actually affect change uh, in, a, in a less trustful way. Yeah, and for Harvest, it's it's really exciting because um, one of Harvest's main goal is automation, right? Automation of yield farming, automation of, of a comfortable return for the user. And so making a progression in the automation of voting and then the triggering of actual event um, cuts out that middleman, right? As you say, um, the vote promises to do X, Y, Z. Um, so if that vote is a positive, it should automatically trigger a function. And I think in even some larger projects today, in the news, you can kind of see that there's um, debate on initial promises to what's being delivered today, right? So stronger tool sets really um, ensure accountability and then also make the comfortable, uh, the consumer more comfortable with what they're doing and interacting with the project. Aaron McMillan, project manager at Gnosis and Red Red at Harvest Finance. Thank you very much for coming on and talking to us about this. Cool. Thanks, mate. Thank you. And in today's headlines, Smart contracts are coming to Cardano this spring. Um, yeah, smart contracts are coming to Cardano. Anyway, Cardano developers plan to launch smart contracts on a testnet as soon as the end of April. And this is going to be the Alonzo fork. I love these names, Alonzo fork. And this will allow users to deploy decentralized applications or dApps on Cardano. Jack Dorsey, CEO of Twitter, goes in front of the Senate to testify, and he still has to have a little Bitcoin flex. He's showing his Bitcoin clock, or his block clock. And this shows Bitcoin price, Bitcoin block data, and other information. You know, just to let the Senate recognize. Bitcoin flex, Jack Dorsey. And finally, as we keep talking about Bitcoin ETFs, I said it yesterday, there are a lot of companies that are applying for Bitcoin ETFs with the SEC or the Security and Exchange Commission, and those companies are Fidelity, Skybridge Capital, New York Digital Investment Group, Van Eck, and Bitwise. With all these applications going to the SEC, in my opinion, and of course this is only my opinion, for the SEC to turn all of them down would be kind of, kind of rude. I think we're going to see an ETF this year. I'll make a bet. I bet we will see a Bitcoin ETF by the end of this year. $10 in Bitcoin says we do. Anybody want to bet against me? Come on, bring it. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Decrypt Daily. I'll be back tomorrow with weekend updates. Until then, happy hodling everyone. Stay safe. And it's getting warm outside. Go outside. Get some sun. Vitamin D, y'all. <laughs>